One more time for the worship team. That's just so awesome. Well, welcome to all of you. Uh, whether you are uh, new or coming back and you saw the stage, thanks, Todd, and you saw the stage in a very different stage, no pun intended. Man, I didn't even mean to do that. Um, if you saw the stage with just plywood this last week, uh, maybe you had a chance to uh, write some blessings or some prayers on it. No, really cool ways that this place is uh, kind of um, springing into life in a new way uh, out of the giving campaign. It's really exciting. I don't know. This will probably get cut for tomorrow. I'm probably not supposed to say it. We just built this beautiful new wall and then it got covered and like spackled and so it's like purple and white and all these other things and I was ready to make a lot of jokes about it and then they covered it up because uh, the people around here were real smooth. We, you know, they, they cover it all up but it's, it's, it's so cool to see the different ways uh, that this building is really coming together, how this whole giving campaign and this whole season has shaped up for Hope Des Moines. And we're in the middle of Advent, and I'm going to start this evening by telling you something that uh, we've talked about at Revive, which is our young adult service that happens on Tuesday nights at 7, in case you were interested. Advent was not created by gift car- or greeting card companies. Let me say it again. Advent was not created by greeting card companies. A lot of times what happens in a lot of holiday seasons, whether it's Valentine's Day or or St. Patrick's Day, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of themed and the holidays are kind of created uh, and perpetuated by a lot of companies to to monetize and uh, get you to clip a lot of coupons for a lot of things that we maybe do or don't need. And certainly that sometimes happens with Christmas, but Advent is actually something that's over 1,500 years old. Advent has its roots in the early church. And Advent is not necessarily uh, always about what we think it is. If, you, if I were to ask you what Advent's about, maybe you would list some of your favorite holiday traditions. Maybe you'd list your favorite seasonal Starbucks drinks. Um, maybe you would pick, uh, t- talk about watching the greatest movie of all time, Christmas Vacation. I, notice I, sa- I did not say greatest Christmas movie. The greatest film of all time is Christmas Vacation. Uh, I quote it year-round. Uh, ask my wife if you don't believe me. Uh, Advent is instead about something much more specific. Advent is about orienting ourselves around the story of Jesus and trusting and hope and faith that God will show up and love us the best way that God knows how. And that's hard sometimes, but it's, it's about entering into that season of waning. And now, if I were to you know, ask you uh, the story that you think of with Advent, you would think of the nativity. Now, the nativity is just another way to say the night Jesus was born. You know, the manger scene. And so, as you can see, I found the three weirdest nativity scenes that I could find. Let's go through these. The one on the top left is if the nativity scene were all made of different kinds of dogs. Why, someone might ask. I don't know, I would respond. The top right is uh, if everyone uh, were either stereotypically Irish or a leprechaun. I don't mean this to be offensive to Irish people. I myself am uh, far and away predominantly Irish, and I do not understand why such a thing is in the world. But there it is. But my favorite, the greatest, uh, the, the greatest nativity scene of all is the one on the bottom. It's kind of blurry. I apologize. It is either called the quote-unquote hipster nativity scene or one that hits a little too close to home for me, the millennial nativity scene. 
is what it's called. So the, the beauty is in the details of all of these. So you see the wise men, aka the magi, are still delivering gifts, but they're Amazon boxes and they're riding segways. The, the, uh, the shepherd over there has a, uh, has a uh, uh, sweater on his sheep and is like on his iPad with some earbuds. And then Mary and Joseph are taking a selfie with baby Jesus. Uh, the actual best part of this, though, far and away, is the subtlest detail. The top of the little barn has a solar panel on it. <sighs> so good. Now, I show you these things... Uh, because, not just because they're hilarious and awesome and should definitely be a part of anyone's nativity scene collection, but if I were to ask you the story of Christmas this season, this is the one that you think of. Maybe not with dogs or leprechauns or 25-year-olds, but (laughs) this is the story that you think of. And even if it's not this one, if I were to ask you to pick another one, you might pick a family story or you might pick the night, twas the night before Christmas. But you might not pick something else from the Bible. This is typically what we know to be the case. But there's a part of the Christmas story that is essential to understanding the entire thing. And we often miss it. We often miss it. This is the story of Mary. It's the story of Mary. And in order to orient ourselves around the story of Christmas, we have to understand people's expectations of Mary and of women at that specific time and just of people in general as well. And to do that, a quick story. A few years ago, I found myself, I always start the story this way, I didn't just find myself there. Uh, I was on a choir trip uh, with the Drake University Chamber Choir. Uh, I was still attending Drake at that time before I graduated and We were in England getting to tour some of the most beautiful cathedrals, and we were specifically at Oxford, which is this big, beautiful institution. Looks like that. That's where we were. And each one of these different Oxford colleges, the way that universities work there is that there are a ton of different colleges, and each one has a beautiful chapel. And if you walk into these chapels, they have these... uh, ingrained in or or chiseled into the stone, they have a list of the names of all the clergy people who have presided over those chapels since it was born. Now, friends, something you need to know about England, it is very, very old. England is so old. Because, like, for, so for the, for the United States, oftentimes, and maybe this is just me, it was pointed out to me that maybe this is not uh, as mind-blowing to some as it might be to me, but When we look back at the Civil War, at the Revolutionary War, we think of that as forever ago, nay, the beginning of time. But with these lists, when you go into these uh, these beautiful chapels, you go down like seven names, and there's the beginning of the United States of America. And then there's like eight more columns of names. This place is really old. And the reason that I bring this up is because if you go back to the beginning of these, these names, something weird starts to shift in it. There aren't first names and last names anymore. There's just such, like uh, Richard of Yorkshire. Now, of Yorkshire, not their last names, because this, these places predate last names. It's pretty wild. So to understand this, Jesus Christ's mother, Mary, her name was not Mary Christ. <laughs> Listen. I don't mean to, like, I'm not saying that flippantly, like, maybe it's a revelation. Like, her name was not Mary Christ. She was called Mary of Nazareth, but her name was not Mary Nazareth. Nazareth was where she was from. It's much like 
Ted of Urbandale. I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know if there's somebody named Ted from Urbandale, but that is, that is for you. <clears throat> That's how you were identified. And the thing is, is that she was Mary of Nazareth, and that meant a lot, just like our last names mean a lot. Where you were from meant a whole lot. Because she was from Nazareth, and nothing, not just anything good, but nothing of value was supposed to come out of Nazareth. Nazareth was not a nice place. It wasn't a good place. And for people at the time, instead of having a family name, if there was another Mary in your town, well, guess what? You were just another Mary. You were just someone else's daughter, someone else's future wife, someone else's granddaughter, so on and so forth. Because unfortunately for women at that time, they were seen more as property. A wedding at that time, in many respects, was as much an exchange of goods as it was a ceremony of love. And as outdated and awful as those circumstances are, we have to understand them in order to fully kind of bring ourselves to understand the story of Christmas. And so, just a a quick aside, I think it, it would be really bad if I were to get up here in, you know, me being me, and start to talk about how we need to empower the voices of women and we need to uh, include them both, ne- both then and now. We need to empower women and everybody needs to, we need to give them a voice, even here from this stage. And then it's like me saying it. Do we recognize the inherent kind of problem with that? And especially when there are so many fantastic female leaders here in our community that we all benefit from hearing from. Uh, You might know uh, Pastor Amanda, who worked here before I did, uh, was a wonderful uh, voice of pastoral leadership in this community. And uh, I recognize that there is value and there is something special that each one of us can bring to this stage, especially in hearing from women. So um, in order to do that, I'm going to invite up some leaders in our community to help me share their perspective and their story because it's important that we hear it. So if you could, please help me to welcome Rena, Kate, and Kate. (laughs) We should have worked on walk-on music. That's my bad. We'll work it out for Sunday. So good. Well, thank you all for being here. And so just some questions for, for, for you ladies, maybe. Um, oh, if you could just introduce yourselves really quickly. Is this turned on? Oh, oh it yeah. Is. Um, my name is Katie Pearson from here in Des Moines. My name is Rena Olson. I live in Ankeny. My name is Kate Cook, and I'm from Des Moines. Awesome. So maybe if we could, we could just start off by saying, like, Just share how God has shown up in your lives. We don't always get, thank the Lord, uh, visited by angels telling us that we're having the Lord's child. But there are plenty of ways that God shows up in people's lives. And so maybe if you could just share um, how that has looked like for you, God being in your life, showing up specifically for you. I've got the microphone. (laughs) Um, This question I was really excited to answer because the Lord has showed up in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. So, but I think um, the most profound way that he showed up was actually uh, through the, the personal witness of a friend of mine. 
Um, I received healing from the eating disorder bulimia. Um, I had suffered from that when I um, was 14 through uh, 21. Mm. Um, through, so I was active in that for seven years, but um, for the next 15 years or so, um, I was able, by my will, able not to engage. Yeah. Um, but I was still caught yeah. in, the, in the addictive cycle, that, that tape that right. is so, sh you're so ashamed of yourself, even right. though you're you know, not doing it. So I had a friend who was, now we, let's go um, fast forward to when I was 15 years you know, in, into my uh, early 30s, and a friend who was alcoholic, uh, we were in the same in the same small group, and he went away for a, for a retreat. It's a 72-hour retreat. And during that time, he was so bold to ask the Lord to heal him from alcoholism. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't ask him to help him stop. He sure. asked him to take, he prayed for the desire to no longer want to drink. Mm -hmm. And so Mike came back to our small group, and he reported that the Lord healed him instantaneously. Wow. That was powerful. That's fantastic. It was so powerful. I had been praying for years that the Lord would help me, right? Mm -hmm. And I had the willpower not to engage in my addiction, mm -hmm. but I wasn't healed. Mike mm -hmm. was healed. And the, what he did was he asked, he had prayed for, um, uh, to be released from it. Now I, so then that changed my prayer you know, through the witness of a friend. And Absolutely. I said, and I through, so we saw, we saw an amazing thing in Mike. He had been healed. Um, then I changed my prayers to, Lord, would you um, take, remove this desire from me? Sure. It didn't happen. Hmm. I had several days. So it went into, I don't know how long it was. Well, then all of a sudden I realized that I, I um, no longer had that desire, mm. but I didn't know when it happened. Sure. So I guess my, my testimony is uh, the power of, of your story yeah. and to share it and Absolutely. then how it can change other people's lives. And so that was probably my most profound moment with the Lord way back when. Sure. And it's changed my life now. Sure. So I would just say, so it made me pray bigger, bolder, and yeah. believe more. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. So. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing. Um, so when Chris emailed me and asked me to, you know, be on this panel and talk about this, I was, you know, between office episodes, I was um, thinking about it very carefully. As and, one, as one is. Well, yeah, you get very introspective watching The Office, so. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about, you know, I could think of all of these ways that I've seen God touch my life. And you guys remember that old um, Stephen Curtis Chapman song, Fingerprints of God? Aging myself. Um, but you, you know, it's about, you know, seeing fingerprints of God on other people. But I can look in my past and I can see the fingerprints of God throughout, you know, the ways he nudged me here and there. Um, so I guess I picked the one to talk about, the one that I think has helped me to touch the greatest number of people. Um, you know, 10 years ago, I never would have thought that I would be in Des Moines, mm. that I would be sitting here. This is a little terrifying. Um, but also, um, I'm a published author, and I'm not one to take chances. I don't, like, put myself out there and mm -hmm. do those sorts of things. So looking back, um, 10 years ago, I graduated from grad school. I have a master's in marriage and family therapy. Um, I was living in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and I wanted to stay there because it was safe. 
and I was happy there, and I had friends. Um, so after I graduated grad school, I looked for a job, I looked for a job, couldn't find anything, um, and I sent resumes you know, everywhere and got a call from a place in Des Moines. Um, at that job, I met a girl named Heather, who was not a believer, but um, knew a band who most of the members played at this tiny church called ReChurch, who met at the historical building downtown. Um, and so she's like, let's go, it'll be like a show. And so I went to church with her there, and she went the one time because it was like a concert for her. But for me, I, you know, that became my home for the next three years. Mm-hmm. Um, at that church, I met a woman named Jenny Moyer, who um, was currently trying to become a published author. And I'd always liked to write, and so she kind of got me into writing world, as I call it. And um, we went through it together, and she taught me how to, like, um, send letters to agents and um, how to revise a book and, you know, the whole process of, of getting published. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and now I have two books out there. And through, like, lots of other random coincidences that I would never have done on my own, but God pushed these people into my life and pushed me towards them, you know, and it's just been really, really cool. Um, my first book is a book about human trafficking, and um, it has sold over 65,000 copies, and I've gotten so many emails and messages yeah. from women who've been touched by that. So, and that's all God. I mean, I always say that's a God book. People are like, where did that come from? And it 100% was, was God inspired. And mm-hmm. he used me, like a scared little Iowa girl, to reach <laughs> thousands of people around the world. So that's probably my, my most significant one right now. Thanks. Um, I would have to say, for me, I really see God show up in my life, um, in my desires that I have. Um, And that can look different. Sometimes when I really want something, God's like, yes, pursue that. Or he might say, wait, or he might say, let it go. Um, And the best example of that that I have is, some of you may know that I recently got married. um, But early in 2017, Mason, my husband, we were just dating. And we felt that we were ready to get married. We wanted to get engaged. We wanted to get the show on the road. And I was praying about it a lot, and God very distinctly said, wait. And that was really hard. Um, I remember crying about it and just like, why? Why? I feel like we're ready. What's why? Um, But we waited, and like I said, we're married. So um, it was hard, but he showed up like with guidance. um, And it was just cool that he showed up, though. Like it was like, not what I wanted to hear, but it was really reassuring that he was there, that he um, had a plan, um, and it was just wait. So, yeah, it's one of the awesome. good times. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing. Sure. So each of you kind of touched on this idea that got, which was my second question of like, how does God sometimes surprise you? Um, and you've all, you all already highlighted the ways in which God, you were, where your life looks different than you thought that it would. And I've, maybe for our, our, another question to ask you all on your perspective from, from your uh, specific places in life, you know, um, how has your perspective of God changed? Because God's done incredible things in your lives in different ways and showed up in different ways and your lives have ended up differently. In the midst of all of that, how do you see God differently than maybe you have in the past? Um, I guess for me, I've learned to see God as much bigger than I used to. 
Um, I grew up as a, my dad was a pastor, so I call myself a T.O. to theologian's offspring. Um, and you see a lot of things when you're behind the curtain at church. Um, there's wonderful people, but there's also some, you know, there can be some ugliness. And my dad went through some pretty um, ugly things through church. And for a while, I lost my way because my faith was in the people of the church rather than in God. Um, and while there are wonderful, wonderful people at church, what I've learned is um, that you really can't, you can only count on God. He's the one who's going to want to come through 100% of the time, and he has. Even in the dark times, you know, looking back, it's, it's easy to see um, that he is faithful. And he's not keeping score. Like if I go to church, you know, 45 Sundays out of the, the year, then I get you know, my wish, you know, that's for a long time. That's almost in my head how I saw him. And it's, you know, no, he's, he's 100% faithful. And I love what Kate had to say about sometimes his answer is wait. Sometimes his answer is no, but being able to see that and see the reasons why, especially, you know, later on, but staying faithful in the moment. Um, yeah. And I would definitely echo what Rena just said. Um, for me, looking at all the times that he's shown up, like it just reminds me, in hindsight, that he's faithful to me and that he cares about me and that he loves me. Because um, sometimes I think it's easy to just say that about other people. He's faithful to everyone else. He loves everyone else. But um, when I look at my own life, um, my perspective hasn't like drastically changed, but I've only just realized more and more how faithful he is to me. Mm-hmm. I'll have to echo that as well. Um, so, so much more beyond anything we could ever think the Lord is. Um, and so much more active in our lives than we would ever, I mean, do we really slow down and re- realize how active he is in our every moment, not just, he's there all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to my, uh, I see him so much bigger. Like, I can't even imagine how big he is. Like, like he says, he's an Ephesians 3.20 Lord, you know, able to do, able to do amazingly beyond anything we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And he loves, and I think, I think he is a lover of each of us, too, individually, just as we need it. You know, he shows me his love, I'm sure, differently than yeah. you. I mean, he's, I just... A girlfriend and I just talk about how romantic he is because he he courts us and um, and he shows up right when we need we need him you know and um, we just simply need to let him in and so in doing that you know and and in in experienced physical healing or you know myself I just expect that for everyone too so sure. Sure. <laughs> you know I I he he can do it for anybody, you know, so I believe him to be a really big Lord. Grace and peace, friends, that's, we don't need any more sermon, that's great. Uh, could, you help, could you help me thank these ladies for speaking? Thank you so much. Yeah, you can take it with you. If you want a really fun fact, the rest of this sermon will sound like I planted all of those answers. I had no idea what they were going to say. I really just asked them the same questions. I just sent them, copy-paste the questions from here, and I think that God works in a fun way to encourage all of us. The biggest things can often come from sometimes just the most normal places. A problem, an ailment, 
an issue that so many in our country struggle with, followed by, um, followed by, you know, contentious issues of deciding where your life should go, you know, following uh, where in life should I pursue, when should I put myself out there, working at things within themselves. These are things that these ladies all talked about. But they're not crazy out there things that only they are struggling with. These are normal, everyday things that we all have to, are forced to hold in this world that is often so broken. The biggest things and most unexpected things can come from the most normal of places. The invitation here is to see a more complete version of this Christmas story, and our story. You see, the fact that Mary was chosen out of seemingly nowhere, if you know the geography at the time, is a huge deal. And that brings me to my main point this evening. Feel free to tweet it. Feel free to write it. Feel free to tattoo it somewhere on yourself. You are a main character in God's story, and it might not be in the way that you expect. You, yes you, picture me looking at all of you. I would make personal eye contact with each and every one of you, but we'd be here for too long, and it would be weird. You are a main character in God's story. Yes, I mean you. Whoever's thinking in here, he means everybody else but me. I mean you. And it might not be in the way that you expect. The crazy thing is, so right before this, right before Mary's song, an angel shows up to Mary, a celestial being. And it says that Mary is, and I quote, disturbed and confused. I would be too. But guess what? The Bible says that she wasn't disturbed and confused because a celestial being just appeared out of nowhere in front of her. By the way, this makes Roman soldiers faint when this happens, by the way. And Mary's just there. Um, the thing is, instead, Scripture says that it's because she, quote-unquote, tried to think what the angel could mean. You see, the thing that got Mary confused was the word that the angel used. It's a, it's a specific word that can be translated to honored or precious or my favorite, like, bare-bones translation is important. The angel pops out of nowhere and says, Mary of Nazareth, important one of God. And it said Mary was disturbed and confused because she tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't miss this. It's more miraculous to Mary that she could be favored and important to God than by an angel popping up in front of her. That was the thing that shocked her. Why? Because important things were not supposed to come out of that town. Because important things aren't supposed to happen to women in that time. Important things were certainly not supposed to happen to her. Now, you don't have to have a miraculous, unbelievable fairy tale of a story to see the ways that God has moved in this world. Because there are miraculous things that happen outside or out of these regular everyday things. You've heard from our guest speakers that is definitely the case. They're all at different places in life, made to be very different people with different skills and different blessings, all given something to hold in front of them. They're out in the world, their world, making a difference, and God is with them every step of the way.
we can often live with a mindset that we are the exception in this. And I don't mean in a good way exception. We can often believe that, oh yeah, God's with everybody. But then, in this tough moment, really question whether God is with us. We can believe that other people's roles in life matter. Like if a friend comes to you and says, I'm just not sure if what I'm doing is really important. You're like, oh, of course it is. And you give them a bunch of reasons. But then you find yourself struggling with the same thing. We believe that we're destined to make a difference to those around us with the help of the Holy Spirit. We can believe all of these things with our heads. We can hold these up as tenets of our faith and say, amen, we believe it. But sometimes it's hard to get it from your head to your heart. Sometimes it's hard in the darkest times of life or in the times that we're really struggling with something. Man, is God really for me? Does God really do miraculous things? Because I'm not supposed to be special, am I? Everyone is a main character in God's story. You are a main character in God's story. It might just not be the way that you expect. You are a main character in coming in expected ways, and God likes to do that. You see, so much so, in fact, that the entire nature of who this Jesus fellow was completely flew in the face of who he was supposed to be. So it's important to understand that Jesus was this guy uh, called the Messiah. Uh, The Messiah is a word that maybe you are familiar with, maybe you're not. It's kind of a weird term uh, because it's very, very old. You see, and it kind of goes back to the beginning of the Bible, but it's, it's a good refresher for all of us. You see, in the beginning, Adam and Eve decided that they could do life better without God. They're like, now we got it. We can make our own decisions. And it did not turn out well for them. And people continued to make those decisions over and over and over again. We're talking beggars, kings, everyday people. Everywhere throughout time continues to make this choice. But in the Old Testament, there were these people and they were called prophets. And prophets were people who spoke on behalf of God. And they said a lot of different things, but one thing they kept talking about was this guy named the Messiah. This was going to be this guy who took God's chosen people, which was a certain nation called Israel, and he was going to make things right. Now, there was a, one, of those, uh, one of those prophets said that he was going to be from the line of David, and people really dug this idea because David was like the super warrior king. And at the time, the nation of Israel was just under the foot of the Roman Empire. They were beat up. They just didn't matter to the rest of the world in a lot of different ways. So they loved this idea of David 2.0 coming back to help them become this dominant force. This is the basis of their expectation. They're expecting a conquering force, a knight with the sword, a military leader who will crush their enemies like the kings of the past, restoring the great people of God to its former glory nationally. This is what they were expecting from Jesus. The story of Christmas was supposed to be that Jesus came in with his army, wherever they came from, to overthrow the government, and instead, this story starts with a story about a woman from nowhere. 
You can't find any other story about saviors or kings or anything starting with who their mother was because that wasn't supposed to matter. Instead of this big, strong king that came in to conquer, it started with this young girl from Nazareth who, as you heard from the scripture read earlier, was just overwhelmed at the fact that God saw her. The story of Christmas is supposed to be that Jesus came in like that, but it's instead about a woman who birthed a baby. (laughs) Super king, baby. I don't know if you've seen a baby recently, but they can't do anything. They are literally helpless. They cannot do anything to defend themselves, much less overthrow a government. The invitation this week is to consider what are the invitations that God is making of you? What unexpected ways, what burning bushes, if I can use that language from Exodus, what burning bushes are in your life? What invitations is God bringing you into going, I know maybe you didn't think it was gonna be this way, but here's what I have for you. Maybe you didn't expect to be healed from something, but you were. Maybe you didn't expect this life where you could put yourself out there and to accomplish some of those deeply held dreams and then you do because that's how good God is. Maybe you're wanting something in your life so badly and you know that it's right and you hear from God, not yet, but soon. Because the truth is, is that it's a compliment. God can see so much more in us than we could ever see in ourselves. Regardless of if you're a woman, if you're a man, whatever stage of life you're in, whatever your circumstance, whatever you have done in your life, whatever you haven't done, God still chooses us, us specifically, each one of us, to make this world better and to bring his kingdom here. Because you are a main character in God's story because God doesn't make mistakes. God sees you and calls you good and will continue to lead you into unexpected ways of blessing this world better than we could ever imagine for ourselves. We worship a God who does great things and always will. Amen. This is something that we don't just have to digest. It's not just something we think about. This is something to celebrate. This is a God, just like, just like Mary uh, read, in the, read in our verse today, she praised God because he saw her. So we have the opportunity uniquely to do that tonight. So I would invite you to stand, really consider the words of these, this song, and let's worship together. <laughs>